Well, today we're continuing our series in Genesis. It's called Abraham Hearing God's Call. And God called Abram to carry out God's plan for his life. And that plan had a number of important steps of obedience that Abram had to make. Now, we're going through the life of Abraham, uh, beginning with Abram. Today, his name is going to change to Abraham, and you'll understand that. But God began to reveal his plan to Abraham, or to Abram at that point in Genesis chapter 12. We've already covered this in the first message, but we're going to review just a minute here. It says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Now we read that and we sometimes don't grasp what a radical step of obedience God was calling Abram to take. He lived in a land, the Ur of the Chaldees, which was very different from the land that God was calling him to. God called him to leave where his family had grown up, the culture, the place that he had lived, and begin a long travel to a land he didn't even understand or know what it was, the land that God would show him, the land that God would reveal to him. And so Abram obeyed, and he left the Ur of the Chaldees and eventually came to this new land of Canaan. And then God revealed further details of his plan to him in Genesis chapter 15. And he, that is God, brought him, that's Abram, outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram. And so God then showed Abram later on in his life that, that he would have an uncountable number of descendants. And that God would provide the land of Canaan to them to live in. It was all part of God's plan, all part of God's promise, which God here calls a covenant. Now, last Sunday in the message we had going it alone, we learned about a disastrous decision of Sarai and Abram to try to make the promise work with their own plan. They fell into the temptation of following their own plans rather than God's plan. But God was not finished with them yet. And today our message is be from Genesis chapter 17. And I've called it promise confirmed. And so despite what Abram and Sarai did. Seeking to have a son. And they did have a son through Sarai's servant Hagar. They had a son named Ishmael. God made it clear that his plan would not succeed through Ishmael. But through a son from Abram's wife, Sarai, named Isaac. And so we see from Genesis 12 to Genesis 15 to Genesis 17 that God reveals more and more of his plan for Abram's life to Abram. He didn't reveal it all at once. And Bible scholars refer to this characteristic of how God works as progressive revelation. God progressively reveals more and more of his plans to people. And that's what he did in the life of Abram and Sarai. As they grew, as they walked with him, he revealed more and more details. As Abram believed, obeyed God, more was revealed to him. And the concept of progressive revelation applies to the entire Bible as well. Explains many of the details of the Bible that are hard to understand without it. The concept of a coming Messiah was alluded to in, in the book of Genesis, in 
Genesis chapter 3, and we learn more and more about the coming Messiah as the prophets prophesy about him throughout the Old Testament. The revelation of the coming Messiah is progressively revealed. And finally, in the New Testament, we find out the Messiah is Jesus. Uh, Jesus comes as the Messiah, and we learn more and more about him through the book of the, through the New Testament until it's culminated in the book of Revelation. Now, this concept of progressive revelation applies to our lives as well. God didn't reveal his entire plan to Abram right at the beginning. He just said, I'm calling you to go from this land to a new land that I'm going to show you. And Abram had to take a step of obedience by faith and follow that plan. Now, we would like our entire lives charted out by God. This is going to happen here and this year. This is going to happen to you and this I don't know anybody that God's done that for. That's not how God works. It's progressive revelation. God shows you what your next step is supposed to be. You obey in faith and you take that step and God's going to show you the next step. And that's how we live life as believers. We walk by faith, not by sight. One step at a time. And as we follow God's plan for our lives, God will fill in more and more of the details as we need to know them. And so we must learn, like Abram was learning here, to follow God one step at a time. And we learn that even though the number of times when Abram messed up, God didn't give up on him. He just showed him the next step to take. And so today let's follow the story of Abram as God reveals more and more details of his covenant plan to him. So today we're going to look at chapter 17. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. And so God is revealing his plans to Abram. Ishmael was born, as we learned last Sunday, when Abram was 86 years old. And so now our story is continuing 13 years later. God appears the Lord appears to Abram again, and he commands Abram to walk before, which means to, to serve God as his king. To walk before God, to obey him, and to be blameless. To obey everything that the Lord commanded him to do. Now, those were the conditions of this covenant promise that God was making with Abram. God intended to multiply Abram's descendants greatly. But in order for that to happen... Abram needed to allow God to change his thinking. So God continues speaking to Abram in verse 4. He says, Now, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. And so God is continuing to give Abram more details of his plan. He now reveals that Abram was not just going to be the father of many, but he'd be the father of a multitude of entire nations. And as God gives these details, Abram's name up to this point in the Hebrew meant exalted father. And now God changes Abram's name to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. Now, when the Bible, names have great meaning. They're often prophetic as to what God intends to happen in someone's life. 
And I'll just add today, as, as parents are, listen to God. God can give you prophetic names for your children as well. And so God desired for Abram not just to think of himself as a great father, perhaps a father of one, but to think of himself as a father of a multitude of nations. And he began to think of himself not just as Abram, but as Abraham, the father of a multitude of nations. And that was God's plan for Abraham. And Abraham needed to begin to change his thinking about himself, what God was going to do through him, his faith needed to grow. He needed to embrace the details of God's plan. God continued in verse 6, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And so God continues to give Abram new details of his plan or covenant promise. Not only would Abram be the father of a multitude of nations, but kings would come through him. Of course, as we go through the Old Testament, we see kings coming from Abraham as his offspring, culminating in King David, uh, the great king. And then again, as we come to the New Testament, who do we see in the line of Abraham and David? We see Jesus. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, coming from Abraham. So the covenant that God was making with Abraham would be an everlasting covenant, and God was progressively revealing more and more of that plan to Abraham. Now, why does God use progressive revelation? Why didn't He just tell Abram or us everything that we, everything that's going to happen right up front? What His plan and purpose is? Well. There might be a lot of answers to that question. I I believe that simply we wouldn't be able to handle it. We'd say, that's impossible. I give up. I'm I'm out of here. That's never going to happen. But as we follow God's plan, one step at a time, God helps our faith to grow. It's, It's really like we train children, is it not? We're God's children and he trains us. As a child, you don't come to a three year old and plop a calculus book in front of them, right? That's not going to work. But as they progressively learn, as they progressively follow their parents' instruction, maybe one day they'll be able to take calculus in college or high school one step at a time. And the same is true how God works with us. He gives us a step to take in faith, and as our faith grows and we take that step, he gives us another step. And so in order for Abram to grow in faith, to embrace God's plan for his life, he needed to stop thinking of himself as just a father and think of himself as a father of a multitude of nations. And so in order for us to embrace God's plan for our lives, we need to think of ourselves as God wants us to think of ourselves. Now, many people have negative thoughts about themselves. In fact, many people have what called negative self-talk. Do you ever talk to yourself? Well, I won't ask for a show of hands, okay? But do you ever, uh, you know, talk to yourself? And it's not, it's not the nicest. You know, I can't believe I did that. It's like, how dumb was that? You know, I never can do anything right. Anybody ever? No, I won't say. But uh, negative self-talk. And we have trouble believing that God has great plans for our lives. 
We have trouble embracing that. But God wants you and I to believe what he believes about you. And how can we find out what he believes about you and me? Well, we look at the word of God. The way the word of God describes believers. You are a child of God. You are a son or daughter of the King of Kings, of the Lord of Lords, of the one who created the universe. You are royalty. You are an overcomer in life. That's what the Bible calls you as a believer. God calls you to be an overcomer in life. You are more than a conqueror. There's nothing that can come against you that you can't overcome with Christ's help. In his strength, you can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You are strong. You are courageous. No matter what happens, as God spoke to us this morning, you are loved by God. Even though other people may break a relationship with you, even though somebody else may stop loving you, God will never stop loving you. You are loved by God. You're loved by God with a love that never quits. And we could go on. I could go on for this whole message of what God thinks of you and what you need to think of yourself. And so God's word is filled with his, with his love for you, with his description of you as his child. And as you embrace, as you and I embrace what God calls us, our faith is going to grow to embrace God's plan for our lives. And we're going to have the faith to take the next step. And so as God reveals his plans, we are responsible to follow God's directions carefully. Verse 9, and God said to Abraham, now the name is switched from Abram to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. And so the covenant of promise was God's plan for Abraham. It was also intended to be passed down to Abraham's offspring, to his children and his children's children and so on. And so God here commanded Abram to keep the covenant, and to teach his children to keep the covenant as well. And so in order to keep the covenant, they would have to accept God's covenant sign. Verse 10, this is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. And so God gave Abraham this covenant sign of circumcision for every male in his household. And that was to be continued down through the generations. And this external, uh, external action or sign in their flesh would be a sign of the covenant or promise that God had made with Abraham and his offspring. And God reminded them not to break that covenant. Verse 14 any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And so if any offspring, we'll, we'll see later in the chapter that Abram obeyed God and all the males in his household were circumcised. But if any offspring of those males, uh, grandsons or, or sons of them would be grandsons of Abraham, uh, if any of those were not circumcised, they would have broken the covenant that God had given to Abram and his offspring, and they would be cut off from his people. And so if a parent did not accept God's covenant sign for their child, then this child would not share in the covenant blessing 
that God had promised to Abraham. And so we're seeing now that there were multiple conditions for Abraham with regard to this promise, with regard to the covenant. He needed to serve God blamelessly, and he needed to accept God's covenant sign of circumcision. Now, as we read the New Testament, and we remember the principle of progressive revelation, we find that circumcision is no longer required for believers in Jesus Christ. It's clearly uh, taught it's no longer required. In the New Testament, Jesus brought a new covenant through his death and resurrection. A new covenant that built on the old covenant, but there were changes in going from the old to the new covenant. And so the outward sign of the new covenant in a believer's life is baptism by immersion in water. It's a sign of the work that God has done in your heart as you've become a believer. In Colossians chapter 2, we don't have time to look into it this morning, teaches that water baptism is a sign of an inward or spiritual circumcision of the heart. The work that God does within our hearts, cutting away a sinful nature, cutting away the things that are not pleasing to Him as we surrender to Him, as we give our lives to Him. And so just as Abram, we are commanded as well to walk before God, to serve Him blamelessly as we follow Him. And so water baptism is taught in the New Testament is baptism by immersion of believers. Uh, and so it's different than the circumcision of infants in the Old Testament. And if you have not yet been water baptized by immersion since you've become a believer, uh, we encourage you to be water baptized as commanded by Jesus as a sign of your faith in Jesus Christ. And you can sign up on your Connect card uh, if you have not been water baptized since becoming a believer, and we'll notify you of the next baptism. And so it's vitally important to follow God's directions to us carefully. Now, God's plans bring blessing. Verse 15, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. And so not only was Abram's name chained to Abraham, but Sarai's name was chained to Sarah. Now, the name Sarah in the Hebrew more closely responds to the Hebrew for the word princess than Sarai did. Sarai was kind of like it, but Sarah is exactly, uh, in the Hebrew, it means princess. And so Sarah needed to begin to think of herself as a princess. And so God's covenant promise for Sarah was for blessing. And he makes it clear that the son of promise that he was promising Abraham in this covenant was not going to be a son from a servant. It was going to be a son from Sarah herself. And through this son, Sarah would become the mother of nations. Kings would come from her. And so God's covenant promise was not just to Abraham. It was made to Abraham and Sarah, united together as one flesh in marriage. And yet they still would have to overcome their doubts. We see this as we go through Abram's life. Verse 17, Then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abram 
said to God, Oh, that Ishmael may live before you. Abraham, Abraham. And so in the natural, both Abraham and Sarah were well past the age in which they could be expected to bear a child. And so as God spoke his plans and promises to Abraham, Abraham did a curious thing. I mean, he fell on his face in worship. That's a good thing. And yet he laughed to himself. He began asking these questions. You know, can this really happen? Is it possible for a man this old and his wife that old to actually bear a child? Now, God didn't rebuke Abraham for his laughter. We're not told exactly or told some of the things, these questions he was thinking. I think his laughter was a mixture. I think it was a, a laughter of wonder at could this possibly happen mixed with some doubts as we see in the last part of this verse. Because nothing more than doubt could lead Abram to say, oh, that Ishmael may live before you. He's basically saying, oh, that Ishmael be, might be the son of promise. I, I don't know if I can believe I, I'm, a, I'm 100 years old. Last Sunday we talked about Ishmael, how Ishmael was born to Sarah's servant Hagar through Abraham. It was the result of Abraham and Sarah devising their own plan to have offspring rather than God's plan. Rather than waiting on God. And, and Abraham, Abraham and Sarah just needed to accept God's plan by faith. And so God makes it very clear in verse 19. God begins and says no. Okay, When God says no, you need to listen. Uh, and God says, no, Abraham, uh, Ishmael is not going to be the one, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I've heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall be the father. He shall father 12 princes, and I will make him into a great nation. And so God says to Abraham, basically, Abraham, you're not listening very carefully. The son of promise will be born to, to Sarah, and so it is not Ishmael. God then tells Abraham to name his yet-to-be-conceived son Isaac, which means he laughs. And not only did Abraham laugh, I believe, in disbelief of the prophesied miracle, but Isaac would bring laughter to enjoy to a stressed out household that we talked about last Sunday. Two wives and we'll learn more about it. It's, uh, it was a stressed out household. But Ishmael would be blessed. We learned last Sunday the angel had prophesied that Ishmael would be blessed. And here we see more revelation that Ishmael would be the father of 12 princes. And later in Genesis we find out that's exactly what happened. But Abraham needed to let go of his plan he had to let go of Ishmael fulfilling the covenant promise and fully embrace God's plan by faith because God's plan would bring great blessing to Abram's life and to our world. So let's think about God's plan for our lives. No matter what age you are here today, God has a plan for the remainder of your life. No matter what's gone on before, God has a plan for the rest of your life. You can't change the past. But you can follow God's plan for the future. And the plan that God has for you is a good plan. It's the very 
best plan that you could possibly have to live your life. God's plan for your life is always bigger than anything you could imagine. God's plan for your life is something that you can never carry out in your own strength without His help. We're always going to need God's help and strength to carry out His plan. It's going to take faith. And God desires to progressively reveal His plan to you one day at a time, one month at a time, one year at a time. Don't give up on God's plan for your life. Even if you get off track for a while. God's always got a next step. Don't try to fall back on your plan for your life. You know, each of us can come up with plans for our lives that are different than God's plan. Don't. And God will tell you. God will show you. Just as he showed Abraham. God will say, no. That's not my plan. Get back on track with my plan. God's plan for your life will impact eternity. God's plan for each believer's life will impact eternity. You will leave a legacy that will last forever. And there's nothing greater that you can do with your life than to follow God's plan for your life. The New Testament clearly teaches us that you and I as believers are part of Abraham's spiritual offspring. When he looked up at those stars, the multitude of stars in the sky, in essence, he saw you and me as spiritual offspring. Abraham is our father in the faith. As Abraham looked up and saw those stars, he believed God for the impossible. And Abraham, <clears throat> Abraham and Sarah followed God's plan. He was greatly blessed, and he became, as God had promised, a blessing to the entire world. Now, as we look at these stories from the life of Abraham, God's word always demands a response from us. Sometimes we're just tempted to think, well, uh, I know that story now a lot better than I did before. And that's not a bad thing, but God's word is meant to change our lives. God's word is meant to change the way we think. God's word is meant to change the way that we believe God. It's intended to help our faith to grow. And so wherever you are at in your spiritual journey in life, God wants you to believe in his plan. He wants you to follow his plan. God's plan for people's lives, people's lives are as unique as each one of us is is as unique as the people that he's created us to be. And for some of you, God has a next step for you to take in his plan. He wants to tell you what that next step is. Or maybe you know what the next step is and you haven't yet taken that step. For others, you're doing what God has called you to do. And you need to keep on keeping on as you're in a a certain stage of your life and keep on following what you're supposed to be doing until he reveals the next step. Now, I don't know what God's next step for your life is, but God does. And he wants to reveal to you enough of that plan for you to follow it completely each and every day. And so today, God wants every person here to submit their lives and their wills to his plan. God wants us to say, whatever your plan is for my life, God, I embrace it. 
I want to believe you for everything that you've planned for me to do. And as I submit my life to you and my plans to you, God, I believe that you're going to guide me and you're going to bless me. Now, for some here this morning, the next step in God's plan for your life is, in one sense, a beginning step. It's, it's a step to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to say to God, I didn't even know you had a plan for my life. I've just been doing what I thought was best. I've been following my own plan for my life, and the Bible calls that sin. So to become a believer, you need to admit that you've sinned, that you've simply been doing what you thought was best. Secondly, you need to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that your sins might be forgiven. He took your sins upon himself. And he paid the debt. He took the punishment. And he rose from the dead. And he's alive today. And he wants you to commit your life to following him and his plan for your life from this day forward. And so I'd like everyone to bow their heads right now. And if you'd like to commit your life to following Jesus for the first time, or perhaps you've committed your life in the past and and you know you're off track. You know you're following some of your plans and you're resisting God's plans. If that's you, pray to recommit your life to him and following his plans. So let's pray. I'm going to pray aloud and you can simply pray in your mind. God knows what you're thinking. What's important is what's in your heart. Say something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I've been following my own plans for my life. I thought they were the best. I know I've done things wrong. I haven't been following you. Please forgive me. I admit that it's wrong. I admit that it's sin. I believe that Jesus died on the cross. <clears throat> that my sins might be forgiven. Please forgive my sins. Come into my life. I commit myself to following you the resurrected one, as my Lord and Savior. I commit my life to following your plans for my life, not my own. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.